Welcome to the Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story. And we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. Today, we are excited, honored, happy, you fill in the blank, to have with us Vince Riel, who is CEO and president of Big State Electric based out of San Antonio, Texas. So Vince, thank you very much for being with us today. I know our audience is really going to be interested to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Carolyn. And it's an honor to be here. Always uh, happy to be part of Electri and just everything that y'all got going on and uh, moving on and then uh, just improving our knowledge in the industry. Well, you know, Big State Electric is very experienced in the commercial and the industrial sectors. And over the year, years, as technology has changed, have you had to change your approach to the way you think about and look at leadership in terms of providing service to your customers? Mm-hmm. It, it has. Our, our approach has changed significantly. You know, uh, selling our services and capabilities more today than we did years ago. With the technology, you know, we just used to be, uh, you kind of waited on the phone call, you waited for a project to bid, but uh, we're actually out there more utilizing technology and trying to sell our resources and services that we offer. The communication and sharing of information have improved significantly, educating our clients on the service and products available. Some examples that we do to kick off for projects have drastically have changed. Uh, we are insisting more interaction today between general contractors and subcontractors to identify issues well in advance. And the technology part of it is you start with BIM. You share items, including schedules to to prefab, trimble, intense scheduling that is broken down to much smaller and measurable timeframes. Results are more accurate in tracking. You're identifying costly mistakes while in manageable stage in the project to reduce the costly impacts to the schedule, the owner, and the contractors. The other thing is, you know, years ago, providing a budget, you would have a customer call you, hey, can you help us with the budget? Years ago, it took a lot more time, but providing budgets and for owners and general contractors today are much easier now due to the technology, database, and the estimating software that we have in place. Are there some new trends that you see coming that in your mind, as you think about leading the company, that you would say, this is something we have to pay real attention to because it is going to have an influence on the direction we move our company over the next three or four years? You're seeing more, uh, obviously, uh, general contractors have a lot more interest in clients and prefab, modular construction. It's not the normal anymore. You know, they they look at what you could do in advance uh, of the construction, actually breaking ground. What kind of activities, what kind of services can you offer prior to construction, budgeting, meeting targeted uh, budgets, and all of the prefab that you can do, lean concepts to make a job move a lot faster. And, uh, and I think about all these, uh, the clients that we work for, they have a uh, they have a big investment. So they want to put something, uh, a building up quick and uh, where that building is paying dividends. Well, I noticed in the materials that I looked at about your company that you talk a lot, and, and, and it's clear that you really mean it, about meeting the highest expectations of your customers. But in the same way that a parent has to tell a kid no every once in a while, are there some things that you feel you need to always be careful of in terms of how you tell a customer no if their expectation is either unsound or unsafe or just simply can't happen because it's unrealistic? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we've gotten better at it, and uh, and it's uh, it's all about being honest and transparent regarding anything that applies. You know, li- liability is, is huge nowadays, and as electrical contractors, uh, we our, our uh, members and uh, our workers are all in harm's way. So, you know, a, a perfect example is uh, we just had one in our Houston office here, uh, where a hospital was a it was a big no on an outage. And what our uh, members, our employees to work around uh, hot gear. But we went in there. It was a, f- a firm no, but handled it with ease. Uh, the, you know, it's all about going in there in the delivery of the message of the why. So now when we have these type of situations, well, we look at our project manager or vice president, whoever that may be, who is that person that's going to go sit down with the owner and deliver that message? Uh, you know, it's all about delivery, how you put it, the whys, the body language, everything you do. So going back to that, uh, that hospital project I was just mentioning, after we sat down there and made a good delivery to them, understanding the, the risk and the members, and if something were to happen, we always talk about this. If something were to happen, an incident, uh, a serious accident, how we would be uh, liable and also how the legal system will bring even owners in today. They're going to start dissecting what you did, what they did, and bring them into a possible lawsuit. So that helps a bunch when you explain the risk that we are, well, we're out there along with our owners. Now, about five years ago, you all acquired Treadwell Electric in the Houston area. When you did that, what leadership steps did you have to take in order to to blend the two cultures and the company and the people? Was that something you thought through very deliberately before you took them on? Both. It was a. This was our second acquisition of a company. We we acquired another union contractor in Austin in 2005. So lessons learned. The correction was the early process, and many meetings with Mr. Treadwell were key. After several discussions, we identified our companies were very similar on how we interacted with personnel and clients regarding relationships. We we did identify, you know, we, we didn't only look at the positive. We looked at the processes and protocols, which we felt, I did, felt they needed some work on. A little bit time behind the times, smaller contractor, but... We felt this would be addressed at a much later date. So the philosophy uh, that Big State Electric took in the transition once we truly signed the papers and took over and uh, what we felt would be addressed at a much later date, we felt it was instrumental to leave the operation alone for a year and the clients to feel comfortable with new ownership. In other words, no change, soft start for a year. This included not even changing the name of the company over a little over a year. It was good for the personnel. They felt good about the change. The processes stayed in place. And after that year, even the customers, they felt, uh, hey, uh, this is a solid company, no change, and uh, everybody was comfortable. And that, after that that 12 to 15 months, we did change the name. And that's when we started introducing some changes that were good for the for the whole team. And they they really bought into it. So you when you buy a company, you always, uh, the big concern is what what's at stake? You're going to lose some employees. And you may lose some customers, but it was minimal. It was a success. Could you give us an example or two of what some of those changes were that you did have to put into place and that you say that the personnel did accept the changes? Can you give our audience an example or two? Uh, so yes, they, and they were all very simple, fundamental payroll. Uh, we do payroll out of each one of our offices. We're kind of different from a lot of the other contractors. They they usually do payroll in all billings out of uh, the main office. We don't. 
that control is at each office because we want to be able them to respond and react quickly. So a uh, payroll was a little change. It was just software, how we turned in timesheets, how we track jobs, uh, even the, the methods of purchasing, uh, purchase orders, how we delivered materials, and a simple thing as a warehouse driver uh, and a warehouse manager that they didn't have. So they, these were very simple tweaks that increased the profitability and efficiency of the company. Did you, as the top leader of the firm, have to take any steps that we might think of as drastic, but they were necessary during the height of the COVID year that we've just been through? I think the most drastic change that we did was uh, just stepping back in and looking at what was going on. We never made a decision that was basically our own decision. We were watching what the industry did, uh, all the information that NECA provided, that the Electri provided. There, there really wasn't any drastic changes. It was just more about how we protected our people, the members, and, and, and how we moved forward with that. Speaking of Electri, how has Electri International helped shape your approach to being a leader? Well, uh, first of all, the, the opportunities attending meetings and conversations. We we talk about this a lot with some of the brightest talent and some of the most successful companies in the country. The opportunity to rub elbows with those guys and hear those conversations when you all bring in speakers. But it, it is about as simple as that, Carolyn. The, the takeaways that we get, the, the uh, research papers that you all come up with. And uh, I look at it just as another large peer group. You know, I look as NECA as a peer group of mine. I look as Electri as a peer group. And then we have our own personal peer group with the six or seven contractors. In Texas, are you all finding that it is difficult to attract and retain a good workforce, both for in the field and for in the office? Or is that something that you're pretty fortunate not to have problems with? We we have been fortunate uh, in going into this economy economy that we have in Texas right now, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, uh, even deep in the Rio Grande Valley, the, the economy is great. So there's a lot of solicitation. We talked about this 18 months ago, being concerned about retention of employees. We have been very fortunate to keep people on board, uh, none of our key personnel. Uh, yes, we have lost electricians where they change uh, charging uh, or chasing an overtime project. But for the most part, we've been very fortunate of keeping our personnel, and that's including project managers. There is a, the headhunters. Uh, they're out there, and they're very active right now, soliciting your people for, for some of their clients. But we've managed to hold on. And, uh, and unbelievably, we've actually picked up supervision and project managers just by keeping the word out there. Do you try to do promotions from within the company and give people opportunities to move up the ladder? Yes, yeah, so that, that's always the first step. Unless we got a specialty, but uh, that's always the first thing who uh, in our, whether it's in the field or in the office, can we look at somebody that has the right DNA, uh, the knowledge and skill sets to step up to position or even have the ability to learn that skill set. So that's very important. Uh, we feel all our employees see that. That's important. But we also feel it's important to bring outside talent in. Uh, general contractors, we have hired young men and women with general uh, or construction science degrees. And this has been very helpful for our growth. Uh, they bring some new things to the table on how we function as electrical contractors versus general contractors. They, they had all these, these skill sets to manage work. All they had, we had to do is teach them the, the electrical side of it. It's going very well. 
In addition to the student competitions that Electric International runs, the foundation is moving more in the direction of making information and materials about electrical construction available at the high school level or even down to the middle school level. At what age do you think you really need to start developing programs of interest to students so that they at least understand what electrical contracting is all about? Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a personal opinion. We've heard uh, in a lot of discussion with Electri and with NECA and even an executive committee, we've been talking about this certain topic. My personal opinion is just high school. Uh, I think back about uh, the junior high days, uh, even uh, putting myself in that position. That wasn't part of my mindset at that time. And uh, I know coming in my junior and senior year, uh, my personal opinion, Carolyn, is that is a great opportunity, uh, maybe the end of their sophomore year, to get in front of them students and teach them uh, the, the uh, industry. And that's something I think we all can agree on that we've uh, failed in the last 20 years doing that very thing. So I'm looking forward to making that happen. What initiatives would you like to see Electric take on? What are there certain areas of research or educational programming or the development of new talent for the industry where you'd say, you know, Carolyn, I've been thinking they really should be doing a program on? My focus has been on the the small or the unengaged contractor. Uh, We've had a lot of discussion about this on NECA level. I put myself back in the position when I started out when I purchased Big State Electric Carolina, it was small. I needed a lot of information, but I didn't have the time. I didn't have the finances to to attend uh, such things as NECA. I think uh, whether it's different venues or something are bringing information for small contractors to grow, to give them resources and knowledge, I think it would be very valuable. As you know, NECA uh, is made up uh, the biggest percentages of small contractors. So I think there is a lot of opportunity out there to help our small contractors get engaged, maybe in a different, uh, in a curriculum, a different environment. Some of the things I mentioned earlier or in some meetings was about creating venues during the weekend where they leave their offices and businesses on a Friday. You have a weekend venue, they get back to their office a Monday or Tuesday. That would be very attractive, I believe, to con- small contractors to, to leave their business and invest in even the venues uh, more uh, economical. So, so Electri and Mika working together to attract those younger, uh, smaller less affluent, perhaps, contractors who don't have a lot of time because they're spending time working in the business rather than on the business and get them in place for a weekend, maybe twice a year to to really give them some help. Absolutely. I was in that position and I remember it well, and I would have welcomed uh, them opportunities. And and you can, you got to make the time, you got to find a way. But uh, I think is if we can uh, create some information, whether it's from Electri or NECA to get out there and just make it a little bit more uh, advantageous and aware of their time, I think that would be a great asset. What's the best advice that you personally have ever received about how to be an excellent leader? I think it would be, it's it's all about the engagement with the employees. The older I get, the more I realize how important that is. Uh, we have over 850 employees. And I remember when we were at 45, you knew everybody's name, you knew their families. And this kind of, it stings with me. But there's ways to get out and uh, and engage. And, uh, and uh, every employee is important. There's ways to to 
be meaningful and have substance conversation and reaching out in the electronic. We talk about technology. I send out a weekly quote every week to everyone, and it could be for betterment, attitude, whatever it may be, but it's just uh, creating growth with our employees. But sharing with all the education at fingertips, giving them an opportunity, leading organization is very important, but it's just as important to coach and mentor and lead by example. I like to share success stories and financial sexes with everybody, down from uh, the truck drivers and warehouse. uh, We want to share all those successes. But listening to the employees, uh, that is probably the biggest advice I've uh, read several books over the years. Listen to speakers, listening to the employees and truly value their input and feelings about the company. A book that I read here a couple of years ago was one of the most helpful books for me was Good to Great by Jim Collins. I got a lot of great information that uh, that we and our executives in the company, we all took the time to read that book and some great information about employees and building the team. Well, Vince, is there any topic or anything that I have not asked you about that you want to make sure you have the opportunity to share with our audience about leadership? I think peer groups, you know, when, when it comes to leadership, uh, again, when I got first got into the industry, the only peers I had was at our local NECA meetings or our local JTC and, and sitting in there with general contractors. But uh, I was all ears in these meetings. That was the only opportunity. And, and of course, we have books and information to read. But I really, as far as leadership and running companies, I really value peer groups. I value NICU. I value uh, Lectory. There is so much resources to uh, to get from the your uh, from the industry and all the leaderships throughout the country. The way we can communicate electronically nowadays, it's all is very valuable information. So I, I always look at that as one of my uh, biggest and advantageous uh, ways to improve my skill sets. Vince, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, it's quite clear just from what you've told us and what we've learned about you and your company in this half hour interview that coaching and mentoring and having a peer group are all important. But I think the takeaway for me is that the key thing that you do or two key things you do are one, you listen, and two, you make all your employees feel as though they're part of the whole because without them, there is no company. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you to our audience for joining us, whether you're watching the video or whether you listen to it on a podcast, we want you to know that you can always think like a leader with Electri International. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening.